This is the Omnichannel Marketer, the show where we get real about what it takes to build a brand, create a seamless omnichannel experience, and drive customer LTV across D2C, Amazon, and retail. I'm Kate Stevens, the CEO of Bridge. Join me for unfiltered conversations from the trenches of e-commerce. We'll unpack strategy and leave you with tactical advice you can use today to drive your business forward. Let's rock and roll. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Omnichannel Marketer. This is your host, Kate Stevens. Today, I am joined by Christopher Jane of Proper Good. Hi, Christopher. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, Christopher, would love to just start with your personal background. You know, take me through your background sure. prior to and then, you know, founding Proper Good. Yeah, definitely. The quick high level is, uh, so I grew up in the UK, just south of London, studied finance and banking in London, and but honestly, enjoyable degree, but I didn't really want to go into that field. So all my friends went to, to Goldman and JP. I moved to Bozeman, Montana, where my sister was living, and uh, we started our first food brands. So I've actually been in natural foods one way or another for about, about 10 years now. That's really, really all I focused on. Ran that for about five years, stepped away and did my MBA out of Stanford and then decided to hop back into entrepreneurship and specifically CPG. So I started Proper Good uh, during the second year and then obviously took that full time upon graduation, which was about three years ago now. So the company's about three years old. And yeah, here we are. And we actually, I think, graduated business school at the same time and started businesses yep. at the same time. So there's a, there's a funny parallel there. Talk to love me it. about, you know, the brand story behind Proper Good and, you know, would love yep. to hear if there was any learnings from your previous business as well that you've, you know, really applied here. Yeah, definitely. Honestly, we could fill the whole time with that. So I'll keep that brief. But essentially, for anyone who's worked in CPG, obviously, you know, the challenge of supply chains and cash cycles and production minimums and things like that. And that is only exacerbated in natural foods where you have some obviously large retailers, you have a lot of layers to get to the retailer through a broker, through a distributor, things like that. So I just came to the new brand with eyes wide open, right? The first brand we started at farmer's markets with no idea. And then you kind of scale locally and then scale nationally. So really came to the second brand with what I would call an MBA in the food business before doing my actual MBA. So it just, just come in with eyes wide open on the true challenges because the products are wonderful, right? People make wonderful products in this industry across snacks and beverages and so forth. But the but the business model itself is is incredibly challenging. So I think you know we tried to solve that from day one as much on the business side as we did on obviously having a good product side. To answer your question on the product, so just very very briefly, we're essentially a better ready meal company. So we found that again, there's a lot of great snacks, there's a lot of great beverages, but in the ready meal category, we found. You kind of had lower price canned items at the bottom end, often with high sodium, a lot of ingredients and so forth. And then some really cool frozen refrigerated companies, but at a different price point, you know, it's not easy to take to work. It's not easy to commute with things like that. So we really wanted to be essentially a $5 better ready meal that's positioned to be no fridge needed whilst having short ingredients list. So we do a lot of soups, chilies, oatmeals, curries, things like that. You know, primarily for, let's say, nurses, teachers, students, really anyone that wants a, a busy day and wants a quick, affordable $5.90 second meal. And what was the first channel that you launched Proper Good in and why? Yeah, so as you well know, on the time you started, uh, COVID was uh, not our friend at the time of launch. So we, we actually went live April 2020. And obviously that shut down most of the world in terms of travel, but it also turned down a lot of potential with retail as supply chains were scrambled and so forth. So we intentionally and part of just the reality of the world 
launched 100% D2C. And that was both at the one-time business, and then we launched subscription about six months into the business, which became a big focus for us. But yeah, we were direct-to-consumer for the first two years of the business. Talk me through what your channel makeup looks like now and you know how you kind of thought about that. Yeah, yeah it comes back to your first question on the learnings, right? I think in, in this space, a lot of people will start with the natural channel, boutique retailers, local retailers, things like that. And there's obviously nothing wrong with that strategy. It's worked many times. But for us, we knew that can be A, expensive and also B, take a lot of time. Now, we, we found from our D2C data, you know, the first couple of years, the first few million in revenue, the first sort of, you know, 10,000 reviews, if you will, that we had a very mass market position. To, um, you know, being that sort of $5 price point for a ready meal is is not affluence polarized. It's not sort of coastally polarized. It is really a mass market positioning. Um, so we decided then to partner with Walmart. So we went straight from D to C to Walmart. So we have about now it's 14 meals in around 2000 Walmarts across all the states. So our business is essentially D to C, where I would say that's a growing and subscription focused business where we do a lot of the fun things, right? The seasonal drops, the surprise and delight, the private groups, the community, everything we do from a community and, and ambassador point of view. And then Walmart, obviously, from where you can just discover the brand on shelf. You can purchase, you know, one for $5 as opposed to online where you might want to buy a box or subscribe or something like that. So really, direct-to-consumer plus Walmart is is the focus. And so how, you know, what would you say the breakdown is now between B2C and Walmart? Yeah, so we've only been in Walmart about six months, but you know, I would say right now it's essentially fifty-fifty. Now, now that will change. I think the reality of, of food, especially right now, is that D to C will continue to be a relevant channel, but it's incredibly hard to scale D to C from a customer acquisition point of view. So we see that as much more of a, as I mentioned, like you know, surprise and delight, seasonal things like that. Whereas if I had to guess, the building of the actual business will likely be in physical retail. You know, at scale, I would say most brands in our position are sort of, you know, sub 20% D to C, 80% offline. Makes sense. And so, you know, as retail will be a growing portion of your revenue and kind of your scale, how do you think about and consumer experience? you know, touching D to C, touching retail, you know, how do you control that to the best of your ability? Yeah. And control is an interesting, interesting way of putting it because it is so hard to control, right? We have, we have D to C where I would say we have more data than we know what to do with in, in a very positive sense. And retail is not a black box. Obviously you have surface level data, but you don't have that, that true consumer data in the way we do D to C. So the holy grail, both for us as a business and for the consumer journey is obviously to to be where the shopper is, and the shopper is D to C, and the shopper is in store. Again, with Walmart, I think I think the math is you know ninety percent of the US lives within ten miles of a Walmart or something like that, right? So it's very accessible access. So the goal for us really is people discover us in Walmart. You know, then they either come online through the actual D to C website, or maybe through text messaging, or maybe just through Instagram and and TikTok and so forth, where we can engage them in the communities because I think. On shelf, you know, we're a relatively small brand, so we're not doing huge amounts of national marketing. So if you're discovering us on shelf, it's really primarily because we're solving a problem for you, right? You maybe you don't want to buy the canned item, you don't want to buy that, but we essentially provide a premium option of that for you. But you obviously read the packaging, you read the ingredients, you see the founder story, and you join online. So trying to control that entire journey, you know, we have literally a document called the consumer journey, and it has probably about 25 touch points in it, right from obviously first brand discovery to remarketing and retargeting to first purchase, right the way through to the holy grail of you 
you know, grabbing and going in Walmart when you need it, but joining D2C to learn more about the business and subscribe to, say, seasonal drops and things like that. So the, the ideal execution is if you're getting someone that's regularly shopping in Walmart, but then also has joined your community online. And then, you know, as you think about, you know, some of the data gaps that you have, or I guess, yeah. you know, help me understand what data you do have from Walmart. Yep. Um, you know, where you see some of those gaps and how, like, what methods you use to supplement those gaps. Yeah, it's interesting just to give a little further deep dive there. So, like, D2C, we focus obviously what everyone has, right? Cohort and basic kind of math. But where we've really tried to focus in on more of who is the subscription customer, who is that high cadence customer, where for us, that's kind of an at work usage occasion and things like that. You know, it's a nine second meal at, at your desk every day. And then from there, that we can figure out lifestyles, right? We do a lot in subsets for lifestyles, you know, keto, plant based, gluten free, things like that. So online, we have a very under- personal understanding of A, the type of product you're enjoying. Is it a breakfast item? Is it a lunch or dinner item? Or are you crossing crossing all three? Are you focused on a specific lifestyle? Are you a subscriber or not? You know, we have that to build what I would call a customer profile as well as just basic cohort information. With Walmart and most retailers, you'll get obviously store level data, SKU velocity data, but there is no way, there is no physical way of being like, you know, Kate went into Walmart, she purchased there, then the next week she went back and bought it again, you know, and extrapolate from there. We We just don't have a way to do that. Now, with enough money and enough creativity, there are ways to do that from a credit card point of view and basket analysis and so forth, but not at and at the scale that we're at currently. So that's where the data gap exists, right? Of knowing the D2C customer incredibly well and knowing the Walmart customer only really from a store level. That makes sense. And when you were launching in Walmart, how did you think about or did you need to change anything about your business, about the packaging? You know, given that you launched D2C first, yep. or were you you already thinking that you'd always be in retail, so you'd already thought about that transition? Yeah, so I think that that's a very interesting question. So yes is the short answer to all that. So one of the things we do is extremely consumer-led development, and that means development across both the actual product itself, both the brand positioning, and of course, the packaging. And there's, you know, design obviously is is part of what it looks like, but also what it communicates and how it functions as a product, right? Now, now D to C, we were able to do a lot of that through what I would call just sort of supplemental graphics. So right? you have a picture of a product with arrows to it saying either the sugar count or the keto callouts or whatever it is. Obviously, in retail, you can't do that, right? So initially, our D to C packaging was incredibly clean and simple. And most of that attribute or benefit call out was supplemental through the PDPs, through the graphics. On shelf, you know, essentially that idea of like pack advertising, right? Like your pack is your advertising. So you really have to make that front of pack stand out. And I think the data is what the average consumer looks at something for like three seconds if if you're lucky. So we really had to decide how do we make the front enticing visually? That's obviously color, shape, size, and so on but also communicate a benefit, which for us, considering the premium price point and premium positioning, that's going to be things like protein and no added sugar and clean ingredients and so forth. So we did a lot of consumer testing, right? We have a private Facebook group with about 3,000 people in it that has regular sort of 600 common posts. And we'll just ask people, you know, well, what do you think? Here's three options. And it is very, A, fun for everyone to get involved. But for us as a business, it really helps direct it because at the end of the day, we want to make things that people want to buy, right? It's not that, it's not rocket science. So if we can use, you know, our passion for the business and our sort of core values of, you know, clean ingredients, US supply chains and so forth, 
that allow the consumer to help us guide that, then then I think that is a much better position. And then, you know, as an omnichannel brand or now, you know, selling through retail yep. and B2C, what are some of the ways that you're bridging those data gaps? So one that I think obviously we, we've chatted on is the, is the QR code and similar on-pack stuff that directs. Again, that holy grail, right? You discover in Walmart because you saw a visually bright item in a very boring category. You enjoyed the product and you read the packaging. That's obviously the amazing consumer journey for us. And then you scan that and online you get whether it's a, a coupon for your next purchase or, a, you know, we do things like free spoons and free meals and, and other fun sort of hard goods to go with the products. So for us, it that holy grail is, yeah, find us in Walmart, scan a QR code, join the D2C community, get obviously some sort of benefit for doing that. And then you're in the group, right? I mean, the reality is today that, you know, email drives a tremendous amount of awareness and engagement and repeat purchase. But getting people onto that list through traditional advertising is expensive. Whereas if we can do it through a Walmart channel, you know, I refer to that honestly as a, as a hack, right? Obviously, we're making money through the retail channel. If you discover us in a retail channel and then join my e-commerce mailing list, that is obviously incredible, right? I've sold you a product through a retail channel. You've loved it. And now you've joined the mailing list. That, that essentially wipes out the CAC and it, it is really negative at that point. And it's a flywheel too, because if you're if someone's joining your community and discovered you through retail, yep. you can tell them about you know when you're launching new products in retail, you know, and totally. bringing you know Holy Grail customer back to the retailer itself. You you know I know you have you know specific customer segments that are yep. you know, particularly interesting. You know I think you mentioned students, you mentioned you know nurses. How are you you know thinking about you know positioning the brand or you know really getting in front of that? those specific, yep. you know, segments of customers. Yeah, no, and that is actually a very key part of the business. And one one thing that comes up constantly, I think, in, in CPG and, and natural and specifically is often young natural brands cater to what I would call the very premium consumer, right? It's an airwall consumer, a whole foods consumer. It's, you know, it could be a, a $10 ketchup or something like that. And that's obviously great. And you can great, make great products there. But it's not actually helping the mass consumer. And, you know, for us and, you know, somewhat contrarian view is that we think natural in the conventional channel, right? So better for you products, but in, in the Walmarts of the world is really where you reach that mass consumer and can actually, you know, really help them make better decisions on a daily basis. So we said right from day one of, you know, I don't want to grow regionally in overly natural channels, but we do want to bring a natural product to the conventional channel. Um, so that's really where we focused. That aligned with, you know, we had a Shark Tank airing, which was really great data from a mass sort of positioning point of view. And then obviously the Walmart customer is also mass positioning. When you take that and align it to our D2C data, just to pick up on nurses, as you mentioned it, we found that, you know, there's 5 million plus nurses and obviously a lot more in, in the wider medical field, if you expand that, that all do not have good access to daily food, right? Like DoorDash is expensive, meal prep is not convenient, and fast food is unhealthy. And we kind of solve that Venn diagram together. So we really looked at, you know, we have must be, I don't know, 20,000 reviews now. And nurses, teachers, and, and other groups I mentioned came up as an overlap. When you look at Shark Tank customer, the Walmart customer, our D2C customer, and then big groups that are frankly quite easy to find, right? We know nurses tend to work in hospitals or clinics, right? That, that gives you a focal point to find them. And obviously that can just streamline your communication. And on the... D to C side, can you target? Yep. Like, can you like target a hospital specifically from like an app, or how do you yeah. even you know how do you then knowing that's a segment, how do you go you know, deeper yeah. on reaching them? Yeah, that's that's a really 
interesting one and it's been quite a learning curve for us. So what I would say is really strange is that from the data of the reviews and, and similar things I mentioned, we know there's a pain point and we know we have a solution to that. However, if you look at the SEO volume, the keyword search and so forth for, say, meals at work, nurses or anything related to that field, there's really none. So you know that nurses, for example, again, have that problem, but they're not actively searching for the solution. But yet when they discover the solution through us, they write reviews and they love it. So you get to a weird space of traditional ads to say, you know, nurse meals or something doesn't do particularly well. The same with SEO volume doesn't do particularly well. So how do you do that? And what we've found is really activating our community has has solved that, right? So we have about a thousand brand ambassadors in sort of, you know, mission-driven ambassador program. But also, you know, if we email our customer list and just say, hey, look, we're we're trying to build awareness. We're trying to give free meals to nurses. And we can do that because we know the enjoyment and the repeat rate makes sense. So, you know, I will happily give a free meal to every single nurse in the country, for sure. Like we would happily spend that money today. How do you find them? We ask our current group and, you know, we'd be surprised that you just email our list with, hey, do you know any nurses, you know, in your family, in your friend group and whatever, send them this email, they can click this link and and join our sort of Google form or whatever it is. And we would send that and get hundreds, if not thousands of responses because there's a certain goodwill element, right? People, People understand the good work that nurses do just to focus there. And they want to help them and they understand the problem and we're offering a really a no fringe solution. So, you know, just activating people, I guess, is the summary. Because, yeah, to your question, the traditional ads and SEO are not there, despite we know the size of the pain point. So that that creates an unusual problem. That's really interesting. But it it feels like you've really found a way to activate them. So it feels like there's a a lot of, you know, both work to be done, but then, you know, opportunity in those segments to just, you know, continue those unlock. So something that I like to always ask is about something that you feel, you know, bold or passionately about. So, you know, would love to, you know, hear that from you. Yeah, so many things. But to relate it back to the business, I think is that America has great food in many ways, right? There's great restaurants in the cities I've lived in. There's great high quality fresh produce and organic produce and so forth in, in many of the places I've shopped. The pre-packaged processed goods in America, I would say, have a lower quality than most of the world. And that's from my time obviously growing up in Europe and in other parts of the world as well, that packaged and pre-packaged goods can be good quality. They can have short ingredients lists, they can have low sodium, they can have low sugar, and they can still be delicious. You can do both whilst making a cost-effective margin profile. So where we've really tried to play is that mass consumer with a better-for-you product that works from a cost for them and a margin structure for us. So we're very passionate about just bringing better-for-you packaged goods to the masses. Now, of course, the holy grail solution is prep your own fruit from home with the garden that you grew your vegetables in. And, you know, that's obviously the holy grail situation, but no one can do that. That's not realistic for both individuals and families, especially in cities. So in the reality where you are going to rely on food supply chains and ready to eat meals and things like that, we want to provide the solution for that. So we're, we're like laser focused on basically better for you packaged goods because that is reality for most consumers. Yeah, no, I'm thinking about myself and packing packing <laughs> lunches too. You just like, you want something quick, you want something affordable yep. and something healthy. So totally. I think that that makes a ton of sense. Why do you think, like, why do you think this dynamic exists in the US? Like why, uh, why do you only have these like canned foods as an alternative yep. to like your, you know, $20 sweet green, you know, yes, option? Exactly, right? 
that that's such a good example of like the bifurcated just weirdness of that market you can buy a, a two dollar can that you you know with ingredients you wouldn't want or exactly a 15 dollar 20 dollar salad and now that is a very strange barbelled market i think honestly it exists for the same reason as many things exist right it's just giant companies that are built for scale public companies focused on shareholder value and frankly have a really tough time rejigging supply chains right i mean these companies are built to do millions if not billions of the same thing over and over again right changing brand changing ingredients list changing pack format that's a multi-year if not decade project meanwhile the business is is literally you know, the train has left the station kind of situation so i think that's the reality at least in the food and beverage market um you know we've seen that across everything from innovation in sodas to jerky to nut butter and now obviously what we're doing in in ready meals and Frankly, that is a good thing for the startup business, right? If the big companies were able, as nimble and as efficient and able to execute in the same way a startup was, that would create a very strange position for entrepreneurship. So the, the fact that they're doing their thing and we can really create something that is new and innovative obviously creates opportunity for the individual. The hope and obviously the goal is that you cross that chasm where we can scale as a business and actually have an impact on the same way you know, some of the big ones already do. Makes complete sense. Okay, switching over to our sure. our lightning round. Favorite Ooh. omni-channel brand? Ooh, interesting. I'm going to go with Magic Spoon for sure. Just just inspiring in our space. You know, I built a huge business D2C and then crossed into to national with uh, conventional retail. I think just 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 nailed a really cool positioning. Yeah, totally agree. What do you wish you could change about our industry? A summary of everything we just said. So getting better natural affordable packaged goods into the conventional channel not just isolated in the natural channel favorite podcast Ooh, interesting uh recently i've been listening to limited supply a lot it's a really good podcast for anyone in the dc and just marketing world it's just it's just really good yeah you like it for sure if you're into that sort of stuff oh yeah for sure i am um, yeah it's nick sharma and uh, yeah, Moise, and, uh right Moise. yep oh yeah. it's great it's just They're they have a good banter and good topics it's, it's fun yeah, they're, they're great. Nick is a, a friend and actually an investor. Oh, nice. Favorite, news, favorite newsletter? Ooh, interesting. I get a lot of newsletters. A new one I just subscribed to is a, called Chart with like two R's on the end, like Charter. It's, it's it, great because like the beautiful visualizations of like nothing to do with CPG, but just like everything that's going on in the tech world or the finance world, like really fun way to visualize some just interesting topics that are going on. That, that's my favorite new one. Oh, I like that. I'm going to have to check that one out. Favorite social yeah, media channel? Interesting. Going with TikTok because my algorithm is now dialed in so well that it just shows me basically everything I want to see, which is fantastic. So. <laughs> and is TikTok a personal favorite or is that also a, a brand favorite? Yeah. So we haven't done particularly well on TikTok yet, just as you, as you well know, with a small team and limited bandwidth. But I think the opportunity is there. Right? We want to do a lot more founder-led stuff, a lot more authentic direct-to-camera um, storytelling on TikTok. So right now we haven't done a good job, but that, that's on the list for the, the coming months. Makes sense. Favorite book? Interesting. I'm more of a podcast and newsletter kind of person, but I... Any of the Ray Dalio stuff, I've enjoyed the principles, the changing world order, anything. I've, I loved a lot of that stuff. For anyone in the CPG world, The Mission in a Bottle, which was the story of Honest Tea, that was, that was a great book. That was a fun one. Seth, like we did an HBS case study <laughs> on the on Honest Tea, and Seth uh, Goldman came to to speak, oh, which, nice. was, which was really interesting. Favorite event that you're excited about going to this year? Interesting question again. God, I, 
I don't know if I have many events planned. I think all the ones I go to for food and things are finished, right? Expo West and any of the big fun food shows. No events planned for the next back half of the year. I mean, I may be sad, but that's the reality. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's okay. Christopher, where can people connect with you? Easiest just going to be on on LinkedIn, honestly. Just I mean, Christopher Jane, proper good. It'll come right up. And, you know, I'm pretty active on on DMs there. So just, or just shoot me an email, chrisepropergood.com. And obviously check out the website, epropergood.com. So those three, you'll, you'll find me on one of those. Amazing. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much for taking the time. Of course. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. If you liked this podcast, Follow me and The Bridge page on LinkedIn and Twitter for hot takes and tactical advice. If you really loved today's episode, we'd love a review on the podcasting platform of your choice, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks for listening.